0: Welcome back to another edition of The Edge Podcast. Managing editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis. And drumroll, please, a very special hello and welcome to our podcast guest this week, Mr. Mike Singer. Hey, Mike, how hey,
1: you- hey, uh, I, I started this podcast. You introduced <laughs> me as beaversedge.com publisher Mike Singer. I am, I'm here, I'm here. I'll be on this podcast and I I actually mean this sincerely. I had to think about it for a second. But I will be on here as much as you guys want. I, I, I very much enjoy it. Brendan, and I miss doing the podcasts with you. And I'm sure um, you guys have a hell of a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to this, um, this no, next half we, hour. Or so.
0: we, we certainly appreciate uh, you stopping by. And, uh, you know, Jared, to be honest, we could give Mike a lot of titles. He wears a lot of different hats. Mike, that's maybe why you even stopped by is you've been so busy Give us just kind of a rundown of what's uh, your daily life been like lately? How you been? Yeah, so what, Brandon?
1: We we started Beaver's Edge. Um, the great schism occurred um, right before the Minnesota game back in 2016. So um, that was my first taste, really, of Oregon State football, and, and especially on the media side of things. So we, you know, I was, you know, covering Oregon State football recruiting. For what was it two three years uh and then i got an opportunity i just could not pass down covering notre dame <laughs> for rivals so i'm still in the network uh you know still in the publisher beaversedge.com um, but uh, obviously i'm not really involved in the day-to-day um, we've got a great cast of characters um, with of course brendan and jared here and uh, the, the board, I, I really miss the board. Uh, you know, Hard Rock, QB, J-Post, Hail the Flat Tail, even Fierce Beaver. Um, you know, we, we we had our differences, but even miss him. Um, so just a, a great, I, I'm sure there's people that are mad at me cause I'm forgetting to mention him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going down um, memory lane a little bit. I think back to when you came out here a couple years yes, ago. Yep. Yeah, it was um, the
1: Portland State game. Yes, yeah, so
0: or- Oregon State's only win that year. Ironically, uh, as yeah, it all came together, good luck charm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when we got a chance to go to a Block 15 and hang out with some of the subs. It feels like years ago. Yes. But uh, yes. um, yeah, uh, who do, yep. do you remember who we? Do you remember who we went to with that? Hard, it was Hard Rock.
1: Um, it was Go Beef 77. Who? Okay. He bought me a black Oregon State shirt work out on that all the time. And Hard Rock go. bought me an orange uh, Hashtag Go Beef shirt. wear that all the time. wear it all the time, and I, I wear it out too. So now that I'm not on the beat anymore, can I say that, yes, I, I, I will rock Oregon State gear. Um, so, yeah, it, it hailed a flat tail, um, and I think it was just three. It might have been a fourth, um, but that's all I can remember right now. It was, yeah, three years ago. Um, but, yeah, I loved Corvallis. Really a neat place. Um, I mean, every once in a while, you know, talking to um, recruits, uh, I will, and I'm sure I even send you guys like, hey, this kid told me this about Oregon State, or, like, shoot you guys the quotes. I love talking to recruits still about Oregon State, and like, hey, what you think about Corvallis? Did you get to eat at this place? And uh, <laughs> it, it's such a unique city. Um, I, I'll never forget to drive in there. I was like, holy crap, where? Yep. Where? Where am I going? <laughs> and then it's like, whoa, you pull up, you know, past the river, and like, wow. Uh, Corvallis was beautiful. I would go back in a heartbeat. Notre Dame actually just offered Darius Clemens, who's um, okay. you know, in Portland, big-time 2022 receiver. I was so fired up.
2: He's a great interview, Mike. You're, I'm sure you've already. talked I, Yep,
1: I did talk to him. Yeah, he was great. Um, he's actually a Midwest kid, and I, I believe they, um, you know, moved out there not too long ago. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to go to go out to Portland and see him. You know, hopefully this fall or something, and um, certainly would hope to to make the trip to Corvallis as well.
0: No kidding, Mike. You might be making your way out west.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll have to I'll have to hang out yeah. with you again, man. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. I mean, we'll have to see what's uh, what's open these days, but certainly we can catch up and uh, maybe grab a beer or something for old times' sake. It would be great. I, I didn't even. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's just good to talk to you again. It reminds me of the old days. But uh, to get on into our podcast content. Um, Let's just let's just talk about the biggest news uh, of the day as we're recording this on a Monday night, and kick it over to you, Jared. Uh, Oregon State's first commitment in the 2021 class, uh, Alex Lemon, who was former, formerly, excuse me, of the 2020 class, uh, decommitted today. Just kind of take us through uh, how that situation evolved. You were extremely connected with uh, Alex the whole way through.
2: Yeah, again, like you just said, if you're if you're a subscriber on Beaver's Edge, it wasn't wasn't necessarily a surprise for you. Kind of something that. We've been we've been thinking what happened for a while now, and uh, it kind of all started with the reclassification, as you mentioned. He was originally of the class of 2020. Uh, he was a, he was a fan favorite, you know. He's a JUCO guy. Got some really really interesting offers. A lot of SEC schools uh, in for him, and uh, you know some other playoff contenders like Oklahoma, I believe as well. Uh, so certainly a guy that. You know, everyone was very proud to land. And, and at the time, he was getting interest from, from Florida and Auburn and taking visits to those places as well. So real big recruiting win for them. Things uh, things kind of got weird and a little dark, maybe a, a little quiet for a while. And uh, I think it kind of raised a, a little bit of a red flag and certainly had some fans raising an eyebrow just kind of wondering what was going on. Um, and they soon found out that, you know, there were some things going on with the with his family that led him to, you know, not be able to uh, to complete some things at school and thus reclassified to 2021. So that happened. And pretty much from that point forward, just in terms of his relationship with Oregon State, it was kind of all downhill from there, uh, lack of communication. And, uh, you know, I can't I can't say both sides because I've only heard one. But from what we know and from what all Beavers Edge subscribers know, um, it was just kind of something where, you know, the coaches might have found someone or, you know, just decided to, to go down a different road. And, uh, you know... I think it'll end up being okay for both parties. Obviously Alex has pulled in some great offers recently. So I think uh, I think both parties can benefit from this.
0: Sorry about that. Jared, I only just caught uh, about uh, the last 3 quarters of your thing there. As I'm still having some audio issues, but uh, just uh, kind of touching on uh, how you wrapped it up, you know, just the vibe that we kind of got as you mentioned was that the Beavers kind of just backed off. And, you know, we put that, you know, in our story today, was it simply a thing where maybe numbers wise, they just didn't want a defensive end in 2021 compared to 2020 because the, the timing of just kind of like how they were really, really on him. I mean, we were there watching him, you know, the whole way through, I mean, he was going to be a crucial piece that 20 class. And then you kind of just look at, you know, all the evidence as it's laid out. Something significantly changed when he had to reclassify,
2: yeah, and that's something that that a lot of people on the board have already pointed out, and it's truly, I think it's just going to be a question mark that no one's really going to to find the answer to uh unless you know we we're able to hear something from from the coaches, uh, which of course I, I don't really think will happen, but yeah, he was a, certainly a position of need on the defensive line last year. I think maybe when when Tavis Shippen, the other Juco defensive lineman got in. They might have saw some things from him that they really liked. And, of course, I know you reported on that as well. He did really well throughout the limited time in spring and whatnot. So maybe they saw some things there and, uh, you know, just decided again that uh, they don't need another defensive lineman in 2021 class. And, you know, they've, they've done really well to this point. and especially after picking up a Marion, You know, they, they've got a great uh, foundation now. And especially with him, he'll be able to come in and play all four years. So
0: no, I think he yeah, I think that's a terrific point, just in the sense that, you know, you're right. Even in those three practices, you know, before, um, you know, it got canceled uh, this spring, uh, Tavis did look great, and it looked like he was getting some solid reps. And, you know, man, I'm just, like, reminiscing over what it was like to cover a practice or what because it's been so long at this point. But, uh, you know, it's it, it may seem like a while ago, but that wasn't that long ago. And around the time that, you know— you know they were kind of starting to put their pieces together for what the fall might look like there could be some some merit to that for sure for sure
2: yep it's a situation that you know no one really likes to see and uh it was my second deep commitment that I've dealt with ever since hopping on the beat with uh with you guys um the first being the offensive lineman last year um, but again you know it is it is what it is no one likes to see it but it's a thing that happens and, and Mike probably has a lot of insight towards that as well um, just as far as you know he knows the staff still pretty well at Oregon State and he uh, he's dealt with a lot of decommitments in his time covering recruiting as well
1: many decommitments decommitments <laughs> galore all for different <laughs> reasons too yeah cover recruiting man I've been doing it for seven years and no two recruitments are the same. There's a lot that are similar, but recruiting is just such a mess, man. Like people try to make it out to be a A black and white thing, like um, simplify it as much as possible. Like, well, this kid had these offers, so this must mean he's this. And that's just not how it goes. I mean, I remember the day Jake Luton committed. I loved the kid. (laughs) <laughs> do you, Brendan, do you remember who else Jake had offers from when he was a, a JUCO transfer out of Ventura? Do you remember? No, no I want to say it was I don't Oregon think he State. had any,
0: and maybe Utah. Maybe. No.
1: nope. I don't think he had any. I don't okay, think he fair had any. That was that time where Gary was like really trying to go air raid. Um, yeah,
0: that was bef- before he shoved Marcus McMarion out the door to two ten-win campaigns at Fresno State. Right. My bad. Sorry. I had to remember that. <sighs> Sorry, just had to poke I, the bear I a think, little bit. I think had to think, poke the bear, dude. If you're
1: to. gonna look at hindsight between Blount, McMarion, and Luton, you're gonna tell me that Luton's not the best of those three. Obviously, you know Blount is number three, but you're gonna tell me that even with McMarion dead at Fresno State, I mean, come on, Jake Luton was incredible. Oh
0: yeah. Well yeah, the problem that said you not to go on too much of a tangent, but yeah, you're 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 absolutely right and there's a reason that one was uh finds himself in the NFL now and one that finds himself potentially able to play on a, you know, potentially very bad team this year. But uh yeah, to that point, you know, it's interesting, you know, decisions were made, but uh, like you said, hindsight 2020, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Luton's a baller. But yeah, we're back to recruiting. It's just I'm still and I mean, don't tell my wife this, but I'm still learning about recruiting every day and like, this has been my life for seven years. Um, And there's still just so much nuance. So, you know, if you think, Oh, I go by offer lists. I don't look at rankings. I go by offer lists. Like, come on, that that's, there's so much more to that. Like there's so much more context to be added. So at the end of the day, recruiting is just, it's um, it's, it's a guess and you can make really educated guesses, um, But you know, there's just How with a lot of, of these kids, you just don't know.
0: How much more now, Mike? And I, I just, I'm so curious to get your take on this. How much more now is maybe the offer list meaningless? Knowing that in the world we're in, right? Or not meaningless per se, but less important in this context. Knowing that now, coaches aren't seeing guys in person hardly at all.
1: Uh, um, I will say that the. Process has changed a lot because there's a lot more of offers where the coaches haven't seen the kid in person and evaluation is so key. Um and these kids are making slightly maybe not even slightly much more less informed decisions because they've never visited the school. I don't know about Oregon State's commit list, but you know, covering uh, the Fighting Irish—they're past like seven commitments. Um, have right, never been on a right. recruiting trip. Um, you know, some kids will just go up on visits, and this is happening across the country. They'll go up and take a self-guided tour um, of the school because they can't see the coaches because of the the dead period. But um, you know, whether or not there's going to be a um, mass following of decommitments across the country, like a lot of people have predicted, Brendan, I don't know if that's going to happen because. There there might not be any visits this recruiting cycle. So if there's no visits, um, some kid who commits to whatever school, what's going to be his decommitment if he can't go out and see another school that he might like more? So I I just, there's so much just uncertainty and so many variables with you know high school football, and um, I just, it's a crazy time to to be covering college athletics.
0: And, and, Jared, I actually want to touch base with you on this. I believe, and, and again, quote me if I'm wrong, that every, I believe everyone from Oregon State at some point had been either seen the campus or been on it. I know speaking to kind of that no-visit thing, Oregon State basketball had a couple guys that were shown uh, this last recruiting cycle mm-hmm. and current commits that were shown the campus virtually. But, Jared, do you know off the top of your head if any of these guys didn't get a chance to visit Corvallis? Uh, I'm
2: not sure if Omarion did.
0: He's uh he was Okay, a guy. he might be the first. That's what I was thinking.
2: Yeah, he was really interested in some of his other offers at first. Um and you know, again like like his head coach over at West High School pointed out to me uh a, a week ago, you know, he he really wasn't hearing from Oregon State all that much until they offered and then when they did, they came on so strong and kind of took over uh but I think by that time it was it was maybe a little bit too late for him to to get onto to the campus. And so yeah, I don't think I don't think he has made it out there yet. Other than yeah. that though, yeah, I'm pretty sure they they all have. Sam Vidlak, obviously, all the Oregon guys have been there. Um, J T. Byrne has been. It was a while back, but he has been. Uh, Mascarinus obviously has as well. So yeah, yeah, they've all been. Other than uh, maybe uh, Marion Pumel. Yeah, I
0: just, no, I. I that was actually, now that I
2: hit, now that I've learned the correct pron- pronunciation. Uh, yeah. and this is a good reference for for Oregon State fans as well because I'm sure we've all been saying. Omerian Famo, which is not correct. It may look that way, and uh, I'm as guilty as anyone. But according to say his code,
0: say, say it one more time, so everyone can hear it.
2: Faamoi. Omerian. Omerian
0: fa'amoy. Fa'amoy. Okay, yeah. See, that's uh, that's an interesting pronun. That's an interesting. Great, great prenu- Jared. I wouldn't have great
1: pronunciation. It. That was very well done. Um, who who is the I feel like it was a defensive event. No, it was Noah Tongiai. No one could ever get his name right. It was Tongiai or Tongiai, and it was like – that drove me crazy all the time. Did we, did we ever figure out if it, which one it is?
0: Yeah, so he, it's, it's interesting because Noah you know, kind of had a reputation for being you know, a little bit shy, and he kind of grew out of his shell a little bit more. And basically my understanding was until like his junior or senior year, he ended up playing I think five with the redshirt year he had – um, where he said, "I never, it never bothered me, but it was pronounced Tongiye when everyone had just been saying it Togiye," and he was like, okay. "I was good with it." So I mean, <laughs> God, it was kind of interesting. Like I interviewed him uh, before I started working for Edge when I was just a freshman in college. And he was like, yep. "Togiye," and you know, said it that way, and I was like, "Well, all right then." So right. yeah, names are interesting, especially when you're guessing sometimes. But uh, in case you're just joining us, uh, welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing Editor Brendan Slaughter, joined by Recruiting Analyst Jared Hallis, and we make sure I get this right. Beavers Edge Publisher Mike, you're there, damn right. Ab- you're amongst damn. many, uh, amongst <laughs> many other titles, whichever one yes. you wanna you wanna jump on for this mistake uh, of this podcast. But again, we appreciate having you on, Mike. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about two of the bigger names uh, in this uh, commitment Fired cycle up. for the in 2021. Start with Sam Vidlac. Uh, Jared and I we've liked him for a while and when we and you know when he committed we were like okay this, this kid got some potential and everything we've seen since uh, film wise talking to him great kid uh, Beaver fans are fired up but having an in-state quarterback with this kind of accolades
1: fired up is the right word here's my one word to describe this kid stones yeah, the kids got- the kids got stones. <laughs> I love this kid's junior tape about 15 minutes before we started recording this podcast, the first time I watched this tape. Um, and I love this kid. His offense, you don't see much I formation at the high school level anymore, unless it's like a, a straight up Southern 80%. Oregon, Southern
0: Oregon, baby.
1: Unless it's like straight up like a wing T or a run heavy offense. You don't see quarterbacks under center because they're running the spread. When I was in high school... We ran a spread that was run heavy. Um, But – so I didn't catch a lot of balls uh, when I was in high school. But like this offense, they do everything. So this is like a real pro-style offense. Um, I think that's going to translate really well for him going to college just with that experience, Um, having such a a variety of formations. And, man, this kid makes all – of the throws. He moves well and he keeps his eyes downfield. He's got a strong arm. I mean he reminds like it reminds me a little bit of Luton um, with how he can sling the ball around and you can just see with Notre Dame or <laughs> 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 Oregon State Quarter. Sorry. I was just I was just recording a podcast. There uh, it is, was, Jared
0: we got him. I was
1: just recording a podcast before this I was talking about Notre Dame Recruits. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's probably people on here like, screw this Notre Dame guy. Hey, I uh, covered Oregon State. I still love the beeves. Come on.
0: It's okay. The the Oregon State's two and zero in games against Notre Dame. All that's, time. that's true. All, that's all you true. need to
1: know. Yes. Uh the the uh the Rose Bowl never. Uh, we'll forget that one with with, with Chad Johnson and <laughs> who's your daddy. But anyways with with um with this you know Vidlak kid. You know the stones like he. Will take hits. He moves around just to buy himself enough time. I mean, he makes the throws. He's got the size. I mean, I liked the JUCO quarterback they got last year. I love this kid. Uh, Jonathan Smith has a formula of what he wants, um, and he goes and gets it. And these kids are great. I mean, the last um, in-state quarterback. Or gonna say got was Dukehart right, and, and obviously that one didn't last very long. Um, but this kid is is gonna work out. I, I didn't love Dukehart's game um, when he was in high school, but this kid, I, I I love this kid. Um, I don't know why more schools didn't offer him. Do you, you guys have any idea, or is that kind of you guys? Uh, I, I mean, your head,
0: very small school. Okay. Yeah, a point about that, Mike, is I wanted to get your thoughts. You know, Vidlac is coming from. You know, equivalent, you know, I'm not sure exactly how, you know, high school systems work everywhere. But Oregon's broken into, you know, six A's of tiers of football, six A being the highest, one A being the smallest. I believe Hidden Valley was three A, may have been moved up to four A his last maybe coming up. But again, middle of the tier, small school and Hidden Valley, it lives up to the name. I mean, it's pretty hidden down there. I mean, unless you were probably plugged into Southern Oregon football and Southern Oregon high school football, It's not, you know, uh, um, unbelievable to think he went under the radar. I think of a, you know, a couple guys doing some research when I was looking at the kid. You know, goes back to like the early 2000s when, uh, you know, uh, Oregon got a quarterback out of Burns, Kellen uh, Clemens, who ended up having a long career for them in the the NFL. Same time, Oregon State picked up Derek Anderson from Scappoose, which is which was about the same time, uh, about that 3A, 4A level. So. You know, it's interesting that you say, you know, you like his film better because like Ducart, for instance, did play at the highest level. Lake Oswego, 6A, yes. they you know, a, a best of the best. So I really uh, enjoy your opinion on that. That's, that's an interesting point.
2: And I want to I just want to... Say- Go ahead, I wanted Jordan. to, to save this for tomorrow, uh, but I guess I am anyway, since this podcast technically won't be up until <laughs> tomorrow.
0: <laughs> It'll be up Tuesday morning. You know it.
2: Yeah. Uh, but... I, I'm sure all Oregon state f- fans know this, and uh, certainly all beavers subscribers do. Uh, prior to today, Sam Vidlac was a five point two two star and he is now a five point six three star on the Rivals system. he he was he was always a bump candidate. Ooh, but now. There you go. first, it's good to see him uh, it's good to see him get that recognition because again, adam Adam Gorney was always saying that the, the possibility was there. But uh, you know, now it's is it's there.
1: I just want to say one more word, Stones. The kid is gonna yeah. be a player. He he can he uh, he can play. And and again, when I watched his tape, I knew nothing about this kid except for he was the Oregon State quarterback in the 2021 class. I popped it on, so I got no preconceived notions and love the kid. I mean, Jonathan Smith knows how to recruit quarterbacks. You know, he's a quarterback whisperer. Yes, I would say so.
2: And um, I found felt- you know said that about about them having the the formula and having the type of guys because we actually said this we recorded a, a podcast with Nazareth last week and yep. we talked about the exact same thing they, they have a formula and it's not just him it's the entire staff and i'm sure you get they get that from him but there's certainly a mold that they look for and they find the guys like you said that, that fit that mold and they go after them with, with everything they've got yeah we're gonna that- upswing
1: man.
0: And that's the real interesting twist to this, in my opinion, is just kind of like we saw what Jonathan Smith was able to do with Jake Luton. Again, a a really good option, but uh, not necessarily a guy that he would recruit. Now we've seen, you know, Tristan Jebbia, Sam Vidlak, you know, the kind of exact mold of the guy that they're recruiting rather than a guy that they had. So I'm kind of curious to see how the offense and, you know, situation changes with having their guys in there now.
1: Well, what is it about Jake that you don't think fits? Is he just not as mobile? Cause clearly he had a ton of success in that offense.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I don't think it's super easy to go out and find, you know, a six foot, what what was Jake six foot seven, I believe is what he was listed quarterback. Um, But you know, Jared, you know, you can kind of see with the guys they've been offering. They're not necessarily going after dual threat guys as much as they're going after guys who have the ability to run. And yeah. that was what Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren, offensive coordinator, talked about with Tristan for a long time. It was, you know, we saw Jake Luton pull the ball on the zone read this last year. There, They like guys that can run. I think Luton's running ability was sort of hampered after that injury. I mean, we'll see, you know, in the future. But I'm not sure how confident the coaching staff was, you know, letting him pull it and run often. Compared to Tristan Jebbia, who we saw take some design quarterback rollouts that led to him scrambling uh, when he started in the Civil War this last year. So I'm, I'm uh-huh. curious to see how things are tweak and change um, uh, with uh, Jebbia at the helm, presumably this next year, and uh, not to mention you know some talent and depth around them. But uh, we'll use it to segue real quick over to the, another big-time offensive commit in the class. Mike, Demir Collins had himself an impressive offer sheet. Was this an impressive get for Michael Petrie in that running back room?
1: If you're Oregon State, like, you, you've you got to first really recruit Oregon. Like, you got to go get the top guys, you know. Um, and I say, you know, the the Ducks might get the, the highest ranked guys, but then you got to go get – you still want to compete with Oregon with, with those guys, but then you got to go get the, the next best players. You want to get guys who will buy into your program. Well, after that – you want to go get guys in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what Oregon State has been doing, I mean, forever, you know, for, since I've been covering till now. That's Gary Anderson, you know, whoever the coach is. You know, you got to start in your backyard and go get guys in California. And then you'll see the occasional, you know, Texas, Utah, of those guys. But, you know, it's, it's, it's Portland. Go get the best players in Portland and then go get the best players in Los Angeles. Well, Demir Collins, this kid is, a stud, you know. He he's listed at what five nine, but his tape he he seems like he, he plays bigger, and he's not just a scat back, um, you know, all, all purpose guy where you're gonna put him in the slot and um and, and just throw screen passes and jet sweeps. He's not that kind of player. Like I think he's a, a, an actual th- three down back. He seems like he's got real long legs too, which is why I think he seems a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. on tape then he's listed um has got the speed he's dynamic again just like Vidlac. i i the only thing i knew about demir collins is that he was a big target for oregon state because i read your guys articles about him um but didn't watch his tape until uh you know recording this on monday night and and the kid can do it all um th- this is a big get for oregon state you know the beavers have to be in the business of just getting really freaking good offensive players i know that sounds simple and it's like obviously yeah duh but you know, don't – if I'm an Oregon State coach, I'm not even worried about, like, super scheme fit. Like, we just got to get the best players here, and then we'll, we'll figure out – we'll we'll scheme to our guys' strengths. Um, So, you know, it, but luckily for, for Oregon State, Demir Collins certainly fits what, you know, the Beavers are doing uh, on offense with, with Smith and Lingren. So, you know, man, this, this kid, getting him from your backyard too, that's awesome. You know, you get a kid who – um, you know, grew up knowing about Oregon State. Um, you know, I, I don't know what his background is if he went to a lot of Beaver games as a kid or anything like that. But, you know, a kid knows Oregon State football. You know, he wants to put on for his um, for his home state and, uh, you know, j- just love this get for Oregon State.
0: It, an interesting point. Uh, great analysis there, Mike. A lot to certainly break or a lot to comprehend as you kind of covered all the major points with Demir question i have for you right out the gate and jared just something that piqued my interest in what mike said one of the reasons as i recall and you know correct me if i'm wrong that demir collins ended up getting downgraded from a four star to a three star was that you know they didn't know if he necessarily stood out with the same level of four stars for the fact that he maybe couldn't be that every down back mike Mm. you said you thought he could that was as i recall jared you know gorney's reasoning when you asked him about it yeah, you know some, what's your what's your take on that
2: it was more so i mean just if we're going to go like exactly by what he said he doesn't necessarily think he cannot be in every down back but when he when he looked at him side by side with, with other players at his position that were rated as high cuz mike i don't know if you know this but he was a four star at one did point did know that yeah um so he he went to the camp he went to the LA camp uh, and I guess they they saw some stuff there. And, and although you know, if you look back, the the highlights from the LA camp, they, they do look pretty good to me. A lot of I, you know is, what
1: I remember seeing him there. He he yeah. caught a nice pass from from Notre Dame's quarterback, <laughs> Tyler. Bucker. Oh, there, there you, you go. Yeah, yep, they look good. Torch linebackers.
2: He had yeah he had some very good some some very good plays at slot at that camp. Um, but you know I I was not there, so I have to trust the judgment. And uh, that, that was the reasoning we were told was just, you know, uh, when, you, when you compare him to other players at his position rated as high, then uh, he, he didn't quite match up. Yeah, I
1: think a 5.7 is probably fair. You know, I know Oregon State fans don't want to hear that because they're like, oh, this kid commits to us and then he drops. Like, I, I remember that, you know, that. The
0: angel conspiracy, Mike. Yeah, is, I mean, the thing I mean, four is, star to three. Four listen, to three. Listen, guys, that is, I've it covered. It might be real.
1: I've covered. uh, I've been, like I said, I've been doing this for seven years. I've covered eight or nine schools. Like I've I've really bounced around, Um, and no matter what school I've covered, (laughs) that conspiracy is there, guys. Covered Notre Dame, right? If the kid's not a top two fifty four star, they don't like the take. You know, it's like high three star. Ugh. You know, we're Notre Dame, so it's it's a lot different than covering Oregon State. which like, oh, high three star, yay! You know, it's it, it's it's really different. So they, you know, Notre Dame will get a commitment and a kid will drop. They're like, oh, that's that's bias against Notre Dame. I'm telling you, it, it no matter what school, if it you're if you're an Alabama or a Clemson fan, you think rivals is out to get you too because you really only remember the drops and you don't remember the rises, um, in the rankings. Like Sam Vidlak goes up and it's like. Yep, that's where he was supposed to be. You know, there, <laughs> there's no like, oh, well, he, maybe he committed right. to Oregon state, and, the, and then the eyes of an analyst are like, hmm, you know, th- this kid probably is better than a two-star, I want to look at it. So it goes both ways, but people don't really only remember the, the negative, which I understand, um, and, and the analysts have such a tough job. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's not something I, I envy about their position of, um, you know of of thinking you can't have every kid as a four and five star like there's got to be some three stars and there's got to be some kids who fall like if, if people are moving up in the rankings someone's got to move down so you know things happen but the thing is whether Demir Collins is a four star or three star he's the same football player he's got the same offer list um, he, and, and man I'm I'm still watching his tape and you know he's got the wiggle he's got the speed um it seems like a tough kid um the production was off the charts so it was a, it was a great kid for the beefs
0: yeah you know mike uh, i'm not sure if you aware you like i said depends on how how broadly you dove into our articles but at this point jared and i have kind of started to refer to michael petrie as the closer on the staff he yeah, knows how to recruiter. get his guy he knows how to get his guys
1: you know what's most interesting about the oregon state staff is that there hasn't been any changes in what two years? Yeah,
0: uh, after That's... Year one Greg Burns left and yep. for USC. And I would argue the Beavers turned out far better for it in Blue Adams. So, so that, that was, was 2018, right? Yeah, after Jonathan Smith's first year. Other than that, and then I guess technically you could say Mike Riley left from tight ends coach, and no, don't they handed it over to Waz, But that's no, that, that's that, the that, only two attrition. So.
1: That that's that's impressive, especially yeah. considering Oregon State's on this upswing, where everyone knows that yeah, like the Beavers with with Johnson Smith, and how they're recruiting, what they were able to do on the field. Like yeah, this team is 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 on an upward trajectory and you know Brendan you had that article with Yogi Roth he spoke really highly of Oregon State uh,
0: yes he did. you know so
1: it, it's impressive that like other you know schools aren't haven't come in to, to well, swoop in
0: yeah no i mean i i mean Jared you remember as well this this last year uh, Herm Edwards really tried to make Brian Lindgren think twice yeah, when they so were that's, going that doesn't after-
1: surprise me yeah. Yeah,
0: and I believe Brian Lindgren got a pretty nice raise from uh, the old Oregon State so, Athletic Department. To that's end up gotta staying. be. If, so,
1: you're, if you're an Oregon State fan, that's gotta fire you up. That that you're.
0: Oh, certainly. There's yeah, belief that you, that in the program.
1: Yeah, you know? that, that's yeah. Lindgren, it's interesting. I covered Colorado <laughs> yeah, uh, while You was introduced the me to Lindgren all
0: these years ago,
1: Mike. Yeah, so he was the offense coordinator in of Colorado, and he was kind of the fall guy, um, because um, I want to say it was uh, 2017, they, they didn't have a great year. Um, and you know, Lingren kind of just, you know, he was the the fall guy for, for that uh, season that didn't go so great after Colorado. It's such a good 2016 season. Um, uh, but I always like Lingren, uh, um, you know, sharp guy. I don't think he's the most media savvy guy, but, um, he's know, getting super, better.
0: He, he's yeah. getting better. I, I would good
1: say straightforward forward guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean no, with, with Smith and Lingren, that's a that's a good one to punch. And well what I like also, not not to get too much off a tangent, um Lindgren and Smith went back a while, right? So they they had a connection. It was, it was Idaho State or, or something yeah, like that, right?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: So that I'd was a while back ago. Back. So so yeah, they knew they each other, back. but it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't a hire where you're hiring your buddy. You know they they knew each other, but they weren't like buddies. Like I see a lot of the time where a head coach hires like some guy who's been with them for a long time, but I think Smith well, and Linger probably challenge each other um, certainly. And, and make and each other better. Um, I think they're a great one-two punch for offense for 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 the Beavs.
0: Certainly, and when you consider Mike that 2017 or 2017 year you're talking about, they were competitors. You're talking Jonathan Smith at Washington at offensive coordinator, Brian Lingren at Colorado offensive coordinator. So, you know, not to say that they schemed against each other per se, but, you know, you kind of have a mutual admiration, I'm sure, for, you know, watching offenses. And, you know, I think it was kind of you that just said, you know, Colorado had kind of soured on Lindgren. Lindgren was looking for a new situation and, you know, kind of, you know, they kind of fell into each other's laps, so to speak. And it's been a perfect, um, you know, kind of uh, seamless, I, I just want to say like bond between the two, because, I think Brian Lindgren gets a lot out of his quarterbacks, and I think when you combine that with the fact that, like you said, Jonathan Smith is the quarterback whisperer, maybe Mr. Oregon State quarterback whisperer, um, it's no wonder that the offense has found success uh, rather quickly. But uh, just to kind of transition to our last point, I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts. You know, Mike, you can kind of look at it from afar. Um, just how crazy is it to see kind of this Pac-12 only schedule? You know, we'll dive deeper into it on another podcast uh, with the next subscriber. We break or we bring on Jared, but just kind of your thoughts on just this kind of quasi schedule? Civil or oh, almost caught myself there. The Oregon, You said it Oregon earlier. State. You said it Oregon. earlier. Ooh, no good. I, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> hey, it's it's serious. It's serious now. Uh, the Oregon Oregon State rivalry, should I say the war on the Willamette TBD, but uh, in week four, I mean, just how how crazy is this?
2: Jared? Oh, you, you asking me? Are you asking me, Brennan?
0: Uh, yeah, man. No, I was just I wanted your perspective. You have probably had a little bit more time to at least glance at it than Mike has, as he's been you know wrapped up in the acc you know welcoming notre dame to the fold this year but just kind of your thoughts on just kind of how you know just on the surface how you know just insane this is that we may never see a schedule like this again where your rivalry games and you know the middle of the year you're talking you know conference opponents right out the shoot just I'm, i'm perplexed still when i look at it i can't even believe it. it's just like how is this coming together
2: yeah yeah you and i were texting about it earlier today i mean it's certainly uh an unrivaled time that we're in right now and you know i talked to i talk to a lot of people about this and you know just trying to be as optimistic as possible about it i just tell people you know maybe it'll be fun because when you think about it you know there, during a regular season the games you look forward to the most generally are the conference games you know the, those uh in conference matchups that generally are pretty competitive so I, I think it could be fun obviously losing uh two games is not ideal But I think we should be appreciative of anything uh, that we get at this point. And uh, while still considering the safety of the players and and all of that, uh, I'm very happy to see that they're, you know, making forward steps to try to get this thing going.
0: Mike, would you have ever thought we'd see Oregon State, Oregon in October? Honestly,
1: that's like number 48 on my list of Thoughts on it, like let, like, I just want football, man. Like, who, ca- who cares about that? Yeah, I mean, with everything going on, that's you know the, the name of the rivalry and and when they're playing. I'm like, can we just have them play and have this work out? I, I'm, um, I think everyone's probably using the word cautiously optimistic, but yeah. um, that that's that's true though. Like, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic just to keep hope alive. Like, hope is a really Strong thing, so I'm just keeping the hope alive that we get football. Uh, I think country needs football. That's something everyone's saying as well, but it it's also very true. I think we, uh, I think the return of the NBA has been nice. Um, I'm not much of a baseball guy, so I've been watching that, but um, just seeing sports live, sports again has been um, it's been great. And um, I mean, for um, revenue purposes, I think that can yep. in, in the economy that's that's huge, especially for these colleges that rely on it so much. So um, just, just optimistic um, and hopeful. Like the fact that Oregon state's not playing non-conference games, like who freaking cares? Like, let's, let's just, you know, hope we can have football season.
0: Right. Right. Certainly. And then that's, you know, Jared and I were texting about it earlier, you know, obviously uh, cautiously optimistic, but then, you know, you see situations like Michigan state and Rutgers where players and coaches and mass quantities of, you know, have come down with, Uh, coronavirus so you know it really is a delicate situation where it's like one step one day at a time and you know uh, Oregon State and Oregon you know you talk about just here in the state have been really done really well with you know low number of cases and have you know uh, handled it quite well with protocols from our conversations but uh, yeah you know it's 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 a new world that we live in certainly and it's going to you know definitely uh, work its way into you know even things like protective face masks you know remember when we caught up with Jonathan Smith a couple weeks ago, he said that, you know, they've been talking directly with their manufacturers of face masks as the NCAA is considering lifting some kind of moratorium rather on, you know, specific space shields and whatnot. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving parts to this whole thing. And it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how it all kind of crystallizes and comes together. But uh, just to kind of continue on the little newsy cycle before we uh, wrap up. Just uh, you mentioned it, Mike, and uh, revenue. Um, this last week, we got off the phone with Scott Barnes, uh, and he mentioned that they've even, you know, they've, you know, gone to the point now where they've been able to model situations where they can still be feasible with not even having fans at, you know, games. They're like, okay, fans at games. Now, his words were, if they can't play, you know, football this year, catastrophic, you know, $50 million loss, at least if no football is able to be played at all this year. And that's kind of where you said, what's that kind of line of, you know, safety and then money driving the conversation, in your opinion? Mm-hmm.
1: That it, It's such a tough balance. Uh, I, I wrestle with that. Like, even as I'm saying, I, I hope for football. I'm also kind of thinking in my back of my head, like, and, and I really don't want to make this political or anything like that, but, you know, is, is that is that best, like, with with travel and um, all the things that go with it, like, is, is that best for right. for our country? I mean, like, everyone's got their opinions on on COVID. I mean, my family is just all over the place personally on it. Right, certainly. Um, and uh, but, you know, it it, it might not affect. 20 and 21 year olds um, very much, but you know there's there's a lot of more people involved in the game of college football than just 20 and 21 year olds. Um, and so there there's I mean here we are um, you know August Tuesday August 4th and you know you would have to think I keep saying this every week and I'm like well you got to think by next week we're really gonna know if there's football All right.
0: And we don't, and we we have like a loose, I think we have like a loose idea. I mean, you know, there's a schedule in place, there's a potential, um, you know, start date for some fall camps, but until it gets underway and guys start, you know, like I said, the the thing for me is like, once the physical contact starts, right, that's where I think, you know, it's one thing, like, I think, believe this next week, Oregon State's going to be able to start walkthroughs, right? Scott Barnes said they're gonna be able to start walkthroughs, coaches can be involved, and that's great and fine, but how does that get you towards, you know, the the contact? And that's where I think you're going to start seeing what happens after. I think we just simply have to see what happens when, you know, the contact happens and just, you yeah. know, go go from there, so to speak. But, you know, I was telling Jared today, I said, so far, the only things that have proven they can work, sorry, MLB, have been bubbles. Look at the NHL, look at the NBA, nearly flawless because they've contained their environment to a T. So, you know, I, you know, I'm of the firm mind that sports can happen. We're seeing them happen. There's ways to make it work. You just have to be creative, have to be smart and have to be proactive in my opinion. And that's where I don't, I think I can safely say, I don't think every single college football program in the country will do that, but that's just, you know, that's the the nature of it. We're already seeing that's why a lot of division two schools haven't even, you know, considered the possibility or postponed because the financial burden of, you know, the rigorous testing, you know, potentially required is immense. So there's so many parts. We could do a whole separate podcast about it. But uh, any last thoughts you guys have on the whole revenue part? Yeah.
2: That's – yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful just because, like you guys were saying, there's nothing – there's nothing yet to say that there won't be a season. And I, I feel that there's more evidence that points to the latter just because, you know, they, they are, you know, making steps towards a – I mean reduced, albeit, but still a football season. And uh, like Mike was saying, you know, it is something where it's kind of a blurred line, and, and you got to be careful, uh, you know, because you, of course we want everyone to be safe, uh, but we always, always, always want football to happen. So it's finding a good balance. And just as far as the bubble goes, I, I don't I'm even sure if collegially that would be possible.
0: Probably not. Option i think there's just too much involved unless you could bring a you know i mean you know could it work in theory with you know professional players that don't have you know school responsibilities sure but you go to college unless you can fully enroll a kid digitally and then contain them to a bubble for their entirety of the season you know even if it's at a conference level that's you know that's kind of hard to envision and i think that's where the logistical problems kind of come together but uh you know, kind of transitioning to another topic that is extremely relevant. We're not going to dive too deep into it just because it's kind of a ever evolving situation, but, uh, you know, the, the, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on what happens and what develops in the fact that there is now a pretty large contingent of PAC 12 players that have, you know, at this point, you know, recording this podcast set out some boycott demands for the upcoming season. Um, you know, Jaden Grant is the representative for Oregon state. Um, You know, he kind of came out with a statement on social media as to where he stands on, you know, with the rest of his Pac-12, you know, colleagues, so to speak. And Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner, came back out with a uh, a statement today, and you know that they're going to come to the table and you know start talking about uh, some of the issues that uh, have been brought up. But uh, you know, just another on the surface, kind of another O. Henry twist to kind of at least the Pac-12's, you know, quest to return to action as. You know, some of the biggest names in the conference have you know said that they want to use this as an opportunity to you know bring these issues to light and uh, you know are willing to do so.
2: Yeah, like you said, don't want to dive too deep into it. it's it's a it's a touchy topic for for a lot of people. and uh, I personally, I don't have an opinion either way on the matter. Um, of course, I want what's best for the players as well, but we got to, uh, try to make sure that anything that's laid out is, you know, well thought out, and there's a, you know, logical decisions being made. So there's somebody that will make that decision that <laughs> will put a lot more thought into it than me. So until that decision's made, that's pretty much all I can say. <laughs>
0: No, certainly. There's it, it's an ever-evolving situation, and uh, we'll have to certainly keep an eye on it as it's uh, you know just something that will certainly uh, continue to make headlines. As you know, there's been uh, a lot of um, attention drawn to it on social media, so it'll be certainly interesting to see uh, how that situation comes together as uh, those two parties uh, begin to discuss. But uh, just kind of uh, wrapping up our, our news cycle of stuff we talked about. Uh, you know, the fall camp protocol, what that could look like. And uh, I guess kind of the last thing I I have for you guys is just, uh, you know, as you kind of see this whole, you know, season starting to come together, people getting excited, we see sports come back, you know, how much has it just kind of been positivity? You know, even Scott Barnes just said, you know, for these student athletes to have some clarity as to what's next has just been uplifting and, you know, relieving. I mean, he said, When he told, you know, Jonathan Smith that, you know, they were moving ahead with, you know, the uh, walkthroughs this next week, his words were he was giddy. I mean, you got to imagine this has provided some much needed uh, support during still some very tough times. And I don't like to use the word sports or a distraction because I don't think that's accurate. I think it's just uh, another avenue for us to live our lives.
1: Just keeping the hope alive, baby. (laughs) Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> Keeping
1: it alive. That's all I gotta say to that. It, hope, hope is a, a really strong thing, um, and uh, I mean, you might as well prepare as if we're gonna have a season, um, as can you know, uh, compared to the opposite. You know, <laughs> if it's like, oh, we can have a season, it's like, oh, well, we haven't been preparing for that at all. So, right, uh, that, that's not the ideal situation. So, I, I hope I'm not coming across as like too pessimistic, but. Um, it it it's kind of uh, i've been shut off to the fact that we might not have football and, and kind of right. ha- haven't even uh, accepted as a possibility uh, but now i mean i'm starting to get worried no
0: yeah no certainly i mean and th- and that's kind of the thing is you know we don't want to be you know the the we we want to present the you know evidence as, and news as we see it and, you know, we you know, the reality of it is if, you know, you can have your football colored glasses on all you want, the reality of it is there is a chance this might not happen. It could be wishful thinking. We just don't know this, this situation changes on an everyday basis. Things could be great by September, or, you know, improving rather, you know, by the time the season gets underway in mid-September or it could be about the same and it gets further delayed, you know. So, like you said, Mike, hope, optimism that's kind of all you can have as a, as someone, you know, following a team right now, uh, especially in college football, as it, you know, has its quest to return back to action.
2: Just got to keep the hope alive. Like you said, that's all, all we can do at the moment. And again, there's people that are putting their entire energy for the, for every single day of their lives at this point into, uh, to making that happen. So, I uh, I believe in those people and we just have to hope that whatever decision is made is again, best for the players and best for, you know, the economy. And uh, of course the, the people of America and the great fans of college football.
0: Certainly. I couldn't have said it any better myself, Jared. Uh, That'll go ahead and uh, give us a great transition to, wrap up the pod uh, just uh, going over to you Mike uh, I really appreciate uh, you jumping on with Jared and I it was great to catch up and uh, we'd certainly like to have you back again soon and uh, let me know when you end up making a making your way out west okay
1: oh, I certainly will certainly will. I might need a place
0: to crash so I'll call you Hey up. <laughs> you know you know you always got a spot Mike you always got a spot those good times but uh, uh, we really appreciate uh, you jumping on we know uh, you're a busy man these days covering. Uh, Big time, but we appreciate uh, you still stopping by uh, for your old friends here at Beaver's Edge. Uh, it was great to catch up. Anytime, anytime. So for Mike Singer, Jared Hallis, I'm Brendan Slaughter signing off on the Edge podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Check back again uh, in the next couple weeks as we'll hopefully have another subscriber on Jared. Uh, be interesting to see who's next up on our list. We're still having kind of open open calls, open auditions for uh, we've had uh, Hard Rock, we've had Nas, we've had Jay Post. Now we've had Mike. We 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 really enjoy having the subs on. It's really connected uh, us to the podcast and to you guys a lot more. So uh, make sure to definitely drop a comment in the damn board uh, if you want to join. Uh, Jared and I would love to have you.
1: Good luck following this guy though. Whoever's next, good luck.
0: Yeah, good
2: luck to whoever's next. Following up publisher, Notre Dame insider. Hey, and- yeah.
0: Beaver's Notre Dame publisher. czar, of recruiting, recruiting czar. That's just, yeah, I like it. I like it. But, uh, no, I appreciate uh, you fellas joining me, and uh, this will wrap up this edition of the Edge podcast. Make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com for all the latest uh, breaking team and recruiting news for Oregon State.